from iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Secure our territory. Secure our turf. Because it's all our turf. Elite, Kenny and the Bucks, listen, this that undisputed, yeah, we here to shock the system, is this a war zone going down on Wednesday nights, this a fight, this is NXT vs. Dynamite, weekly battles, ratings shattered, this a revolution, this is change to what the game is used to doing, this is all about that dark and light contrast, welcome to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. I am your host, Mike De Niro. I'm joined here with G-Rock. Before we start the show, become a Wednesday Night Warrior and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review. Also, follow us on Instagram, Fight for Wednesday Night. And introducing, make sure you subscribe to our new YouTube channel at Fight for Wednesday Night. Welcome back, Wednesday Night Warrior. Today's going to be a special episode. Like we said, we're in a studio now. Now you have a visual of us. And, uh, yeah, moving forward, this is the way it's going to be. So today on today's episode, we'll be covering the Queen's return on NXT, the continuous brawls that Undisputed Era finds themselves in, and what we thought was the match of the night for NXT. And on the flip side, for AEW, we'll be covering what an eye for an eye looks like, AEW's match of the year. Yes, match of the year for AEW was on this week's episode. We'll be covering the masochist Cody Rhodes and the 10 lashes he received by none other than Maxwell Jacob Friedman. That prick. <laughs> <laughs> so, De Niro, let's jump into this, and I want to start off with NXT. All right, let's do it. So, we made a bold statement. Match of the night for NXT, in my opinion, was Tyler Breeze versus Jordan Devlin. Yeah, without a doubt. First of all, it was a nice treat seeing Devlin on NXT the USA version of NXT. We only seen them on NXT UK. And if you were tuning into War, I mean, what was it? Uh, Worlds Collide. Yeah. That was the first time, if you don't watch NXT UK, that you got to see Devlin. We see him win the champion. We see like this great wrestler. So I'm glad that he's going to be on this show as well. I think that was a surprise that they gave him Tyler Breeze in his first match. And I'm also surprised that they didn't treat Tyler Breeze like a chump. And he actually got some offense in. It was a really good match on both sides. You know what? It's so funny that you should say that because... I thought 
that this might be a squash in a way, or more of a showcase match I was for Devlin. It was going to be, yeah, yeah, because he's just coming off of the cruiserweight title. Uh, well, winning the cruiserweight title, yeah. And I thought this was a way to establish himself, especially being in full sail. We haven't seen much of this guy, yeah. Um, so that that would be a good way to establish himself. But instead, we got a really good match on both sides, and I was really pleased to see that Tyler Breeze, aka the Prince of Pretty is more than just a face, and he actually has wrestling capabilities, and he's actually a really good wrestler. Well, he's trained by Lance Storm. Lance Storm is one of the most underrated technical wrestlers of all time. And I'm going to just tell you my, like, reaction when I saw Tyler Breeze come out. I was like, man, damn. Like, why are they going to do Tyler like this? Like, we saw him lose that three-way with, uh, who was it? It was Swerve Scott and somebody else. Oh, Leo Rush. Yeah, To yeah, get, yeah. like, a the shot for Worlds Collide. So I was like, damn, they're just going to keep on, like, feeding him. Uh, to the Wolves, but when he actually came out and he actually did his thing, I was happy because it was signs of the old Tyler Breeze from the old NXT where he was actually a main eventer and respected for his wrestling ability. He's not just a gimmick. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to bring up as well is that, you know, he is a legit wrestler. Definitely. And he is a a guy that you could sort of get behind. Now, I understand that when he went up to the main roster, you know, they didn't really have anything much for him. It, his character didn't catch on. Yeah, it fizzled out pretty quick. They started him with uh, Dolph Ziggler. It looked like a perfect matchup for him. And then, like, right after that feud, there was, like, really nothing for him. Yeah, and then, I mean, luckily he was able to to, to align himself with yeah. Fandango. and Such is the case for a lot of guys who come up, by the way. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I was just really pleased. Just like you said, I, I was just really pleased that he was given this opportunity. And he really showed out. And... I don't want to overlook Devlin as well because Devlin is a a phenomenal wrestler also in his own right. And what I love is he brings that UK strong style over to NXT in the States and it's just vicious. Like, I love that finisher. It it looks like something out of Mortal Kombat. whipping you up and then bringing you to the suplex. Get over here. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to say that I remember seeing Devlin in the uh, UK like the original UK title tournament when they first like announced that there was going to be a UK belt, he was in that tournament and wasn't too dazzling for me. Like I wasn't such a big fan of his match. It was a great tournament, but Devlin was kind of on the weak side. So it's really cool to see this evolution. Like now he's one of their top guys and he's like setting the world on fire. The last couple of weeks we've seen them against Tyler Breeze. Worlds collide. He wins the belt. Now we see him in this great match with, uh, Tyler Breeze. I meant Tyler Bate before. Tyler Bate, yeah. Too many Tylers over here, guys. But yeah, so when he fought Tyler uh, Bate, that was like an eye-opener for me during the uh, takeover. Then you have the Worlds Collide, and then this match, he's on a roll right now. And you know what? Rightfully deserving, he deserves that title. Yeah. Now, speaking of that title, at first, I I think I, I put it out there that, um, that I felt that it was a little premature for Angel Garza to lose that title. Yeah. But moving forward... Uh, I am pleased with with Devlin, and I mean, if you're gonna drop the title, I mean, why not to Devlin? He's yeah. he, he has a, a ton of potential. You know, he was trained by by Finn Balor. And Grew up with Finn Balor too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that he has that that edge like Balor does. He has yeah. that fierceness, and so this ended up being a really surprising match. Like I feel like if you would have laid out the card for me, right? I wouldn't think, oh, this is going to be the match of the night. Yeah, NXT does that a lot where it's like, oh, wow, like that's a surprising matchup. And then it's like, wow, that really blew me away. And I don't mean to cut you off there, yeah. no, but, um, you know, I think it's funny because NXT is known for their good matches. And I feel like for this to kind of 
be yeah. be the match. It yeah. says a lot. You Definitely. know, I mean, because we get match after match typically, and it's always solid matches. Yeah, I think it was a nice homage to Lance Storm getting uh Well, Tyler Breeze did the uh, one-legged Boston Crab, oh, the yeah. Calgary Crab. Yeah, that was really cool to see. It also looks like we're going to be going forward with a one-on-one feud between Angel Garza and Devlin, which is really cool because Angel Garza right now is tearing it up. For people who don't know, I'm sure a lot of people do know, he shows up on Raw, defeats. Well, he fought Rey Mysterio. He did the DDT on the concrete, so yeah. it looks like they're going to continue pushing his character on Raw, and that also brings more star power back to NXT because he's always going to be on NXT as well. Now, speaking of bringing star power back to NXT, I love that we get Charlotte on NXT. To it. Now, I want to I set the record straight. Ripley is technically not challenging Charlotte. It's Charlotte that is challenging Ripley for that title. As of right now, that's how it looks like it's going to go, yeah. Okay, yeah. She hasn't I, made her... She hasn't given us an answer on who she's fighting at WrestleMania, but right now, that's what they're building towards, it looks that's like. That's what it looks like, and I can't, like, I'm so excited about this for mul- for multiple reasons. One is, it should be a great matchup. I mean, Charlotte is, if not the best, you know, top two best women wrestlers yeah. in all of wrestling today, so that's going to be phenomenal, but more of what it does for the NXT brand. Definitely. Now, I've been, like, screaming my lungs out about this. I have <laughs> literally went on a rant about this. You said it so loud that they heard you in Stanford, Connecticut, and said, you know what? We got to... Vince was like, God damn it, what's that noise? <laughs> you see, that's why we got to do it. You know what? He's actually saying something pretty factual here. <laughs> Put Charlotte on NXT. God damn it. <laughs> Triple H was like, oh, God damn, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, know what? If, uh, if, if that's what, what gets it done, then I'll keep doing it. Yeah. Because for so long... NXT was named as the third brand, right? Yeah. They, they, it was supposed to be like an evolution from being the, the training grounds to now being looked at as an equal with Raw and SmackDown. But all this time, if it's not Survivor Series, then we don't really get that intertwine. Yeah, not only that, but it doesn't even seem like Raw and SmackDown really promotes that NXT is even there. Maybe a commercial here and there, but you're not hearing them mentioned on NXT, well, on Raw or SmackDown. So it's cool to have champions show up like Rhea Ripley to challenge somebody on Raw and then they come to NXT. That brings notoriety to NXT. Also, going back real quick to the Angel Garza, him showing up on Raw and then them saying, oh, this is an NXT superstar, not a guy who's moving to Raw. That's really good that they're finally treating it like this is something that's on an equal like playing field with them. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to want to add to that as well. I feel like when they named NXT as the third brand and they put it on USA, that as well was also premature because they didn't put all the power and the machine behind it. It was kind of like, oh, this is NXT that was on the network and now it's just on USA. USA. And, And now I think we're starting to see them actually push the brand and try to make it as equal to SmackDown and Raw. And like you just said, cross promoting the the stars of NXT over to Raw and SmackDown, and then also cross pollinating with the stars of Raw and SmackDown coming over to NXT. And I mean, yeah, we've seen it with Balor, and and, yeah. and you know, who's a bigger name than than Charlotte? She's right up there she's as the, the top who's name. Who. Yeah, like, well, I wouldn't say she's the top name right now in the female division because you got Becky Lynch, Becky Lynch, of course. But she's always in the title picture. She's always named like the the face. She's Charlotte Flair. Yeah. I mean, you know, it kind of speaks for itself. So, I mean, like, this is a really big deal. You know, I understand, you know, fans were excited, but I'm not, I'm not sure if they understand the magnitude, the magnitude yeah. of this because this is really big. But on the other hand, I just wonder 
what else is going to come of this. I hope that they stay in this direction and this is not just a WrestleMania type of thing. Yeah. But that they keep on pushing this. Well, I mean... Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. I think I told you this before, like, no matter who wins, if they do go forth with this match, no matter who wins, NXT's the true winner. Charlotte no wins, she's the NXT champion, she's bringing more eyes to NXT. Rhea Ripley wins, she becomes a megastar by beating Charlotte on the grandest stage of them all, and, by the way, you can see her on NXT. So either way, NXT wins. It's like me saying, oh, the fans win? You know NXT what? wins. You know what? Yeah, this is so, one of those rare cases where yeah. we're going to hand out participation trophies because it is a win-win situation. Like, this is just yeah. brilliant. I mean, I think this is just... A brilliant move for the WWE brand, and then never mind the NXT brand. I mean, they've been getting beat up in the ratings, and I, I think it's time for them to to make that next step, that next jump, yeah. and making NXT you know equivalent, like I said before, on the same platform as Raw and and, and SmackDown. And I believe that uh, NXT should be talked about a little bit more in the Raw brand and in the SmackDown brand, and with having Charlotte coming over to NXT, yeah. without a doubt, you're going to have that. You're going to bring those eyes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, this was this was great. The only thing I would say about this is, and this is not for this particular segment, but it's always from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania, I always look at that middle pay-per-view as kind of like, yeah. it's, a, it's so weird because it's like, we sort of already have an idea of who's going to be facing at WrestleMania. You know, yeah. we kind of already have an idea of the matchups. It's very rare that they're going to switch it up and, like, shock people. Like, I don't think it's going to be McIntyre versus Ricochet yeah, yeah, for the you, champion. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, leading to that, we had Bianca Belair come out, right? Not to cut you off. <laughs> Please. But actually, I want you to. Please All right. Here we go. So, when we seen Charlotte get challenged by Ripley on Raw, I said, I guarantee you Charlotte's going to come out. And by the way, I put this on the Instagram story on Tuesday, so you can't say that I'm making this up. Mm -hmm. I said, Charlotte's going to come out, and Bianca Belair's going to interrupt her and say, hey, 
why are you talking about Rhea Ripley when I'm going to beat her for the title at TakeOver? Now, you know, they say psychics just see images. They don't see the full picture. <laughs> are it, you it, saying you're a psychic? I mean, this, this kind of proved it. This is your revealing party? Yeah. So that's so Edwin. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so when you think about it, it was kind of like the reverse. Bianca Belair came out first and then Charlotte came out. But it was something that was typical. Why I did like this segment, though, was they took the typical route and then they put a twist on it. I thought it was going to be Charlotte versus Bianca Belair on this episode of NXT. And that we're not going to get a winner because, like, who do you push in that? They're both, like, up for a title shot. But instead, we got a little swerve towards the end of this segment where... It was a unity for NXT against the main roster. Well, not the main roster, but against Raw. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and the representative of that is yeah. Charlotte. And I, I really appreciated that, actually. Me too. I love how NXT still sticks with this brotherhood and this sisterhood. Yeah. That even if we're going against each other, that we're still NXT. And I love that that, that Rhea Ripley brought that back into it. And I just thought it was a really cool moment. And on top of that, I also felt like it didn't overshadow Bianca Belair versus Ripley at TakeOver. Um, So I think they did this segment justice. Uh, I'm just, I'm really excited. Like this, this was, this was the one segment that I was like really excited for the whole time watching the show because I, I understood the magnitude of this. And this is really taking that next step. And I feel like, you know, we're starting to see that and I I can't be happier. So... With that, throughout the show, we get the Undisputed Error mm-hmm. looking for their revenge on Champa. Yeah. And so they're going through the back and whatnot, and, and they're just fucking with everybody. Everybody, <laughs> you know, some dude got a crew cut unwillingly. It was just like they played that bully role while looking for Champa, for looking for the revenge. And they were just attacking everybody that was in their way. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. get you off there to know, but it also it was kind of like reminiscent of uh, the NWO back in the day, too. Yeah. Me. Or it's also like, shot. yeah, yeah, exactly. Just going to the back and just exactly like you said, running rough shot. Yeah. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. Uh, and then they eventually Chompa ends up finding them more like it, and uh, so that's how we kind of get this whole start. The show started off with the Broser weights. Obviously, yeah. they're challenging um, uh, uh, Fish and O'Reilly, O'Reilly yeah. at Takeover. So we're we're getting this team again with Champa. And here's the thing with me: like this whole episode w- was good. I, I appreciated mm-hmm. it. I liked all the segments as well. I thought last week they like couldn't do no wrong. Like that was it was just phenomenal. Yeah, everything like just connected on all cylinders. Yeah, it's my favorite word. It was really organic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag organic. Yeah, yeah. We're going <laughs> to like put a shirt there. I'm going to start like a little logo like hashtag organic. Yeah, yeah. It's probably going to be my thing now. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I've said it like six times on the last episode. Might but, as well be hashtag psychic. But, <laughs> yeah. but still, nonetheless, I mean, it, it was it was really great last week. And then this week, I just felt like this whole thing of Ciampa finding alliance. Seemed forced? Yeah. Yeah, I felt the same way. Let's, let's not be around the bush. They, they looked, it seemed like, hey, we got to keep this going another week because TakeOver's coming up. And, damn, how do we continue this? So, it was like... Yeah. It was it was fine for what it was, but it did seem like they kind of forced it like yeah, more just, than they needed to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just also feel like it's almost like they're just uh, recycling. Because how many times are we seeing the Undisputed in these brawls, right? Yeah, it's always happening. Exactly. And and we're also seeing like Ciampa aligning himself, right? Before, I believe it was with uh, Keith Lee. Keith Lee and, and Riddle. Riddle, yeah. Uh, Keith Lee and Dijakovic. Exactly. It's, it's and, always... But then yeah. we also see... Um, 
the undisputed error with uh, when they had the brawl with the with Imperium. Um, who else? They also had a. Uh, they they brawled with. They brawled with everybody since they've they've been there for years now, and I don't think anyone has. Yeah, I just. Like, I mean, like here, I don't mean I don't mean to cut you off there, but I, I know in the past, like I've said how much I love a brawl, and I love how it uh, an episode will end with a brawl. Yeah. But I just think at this point, it's like it's kind of being shoved a little bit. It's kind of being a little forced now. If you get a surprise every day, it's not a surprise. Exactly. So it's like you can't do this every week. You can't like say it's like oh the Hogan must pose thing. Yeah, undisputed era must brawl. Like, yeah, I feel like as long as they're a team, it's like whoever you're rivaling against, it's going to be all of us, and so therefore that person, their opponent, has to f- align themselves with somebody else. Yeah, it's 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 whatever. But it ended up being a great match. Like the big brawl was pretty cool. It led into a good match, and the only thing that I want to say about this match is too often are they just giving away these matches and then the cop out with a DQ finish. This happens on all, like you want to talk about a level playing field. Raw does this all the time. SmackDown does this all the time. And now I'm seeing it in NXT where we don't get a winner. We just get a DQ finish. Like that's the cop out to getting everybody over and looking strong at the end of the day. And I think there's other ways to go about it. it without a doubt, without a doubt. I, I, I think with this type of match, there should be a finish. It's not yeah. a one-on-one, so it's not like you're giving away a takeover match. Yeah. It, I mean, this this was a, a four-on-three. Well, I mean, it was a three-on-three, but Roddy's on the outside. Exactly. Who, who saw a lot of interference. Like, he got enough action in this match, even though he wasn't in the match. It, that, like, that's why it felt to me like he was in the match. <laughs> yeah. Immediately, I think, oh, it was four-on-three. No, wait a minute. It was three-on-three, but with the heavy interference with Roddy. Yeah. Now, personally, if, if I was playing... Uh, Armchair quarterback. Armchair quarterback Bring in this. Bringing it back. Bringing it back. You know, I love to do this. I would have done things a little bit differently. So have I. Now, you know, spoiler alert, obviously we get Velveteen Dream's return at the end, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. I love Velveteen. Yeah, I'm glad he's back. Yeah, he's without a doubt. Back. They need characters, and he's definitely a character. A character, somebody that can talk as well. You know, he does live segments. So he is just, his value is insurmountable. Definitely. Insurmountable uh, on NXT. So I'm really glad that he returned. The only thing was, it was just a little ridiculous that they put up the, the, the numbers and they were flashing it and the buildup. Like, it made it seem like a little bigger. Where have I seen that? Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, you know, and speaking of that, you know, I, I don't want to, I want to go back a second. I mentioned about the brawls. Now, you know, wherever I seen that, wherever I seen that as well. <laughs> it's funny because just yeah. last week, you know, on AEW, the Inner Circle was bringing yeah. out thugs, and it was a whole big brawl thing. Not not saying NXT hasn't done brawls before AEW, but no, of course, come I, on, it's like, of course, I I just mentioned how they continuously have done the brawls, you know, storyline yeah, with, with them. Lately, it has seemed like NXT's playing like will try to top you instead yeah, of like running a, their own race. Yeah, it's like a counter almost. Yeah, but my point was that. Velveteen comes out, right? And he's on the top rope. And it was still one against four. Now, I love Velveteen Dream. And he's a tall guy, but he's not a big guy. Yeah. It just isn't that believable for this one guy. To take them all out. Like, that made... that he, made He didn't have a weapon. He didn't have anything. And then, like, all right, it's believable when Ciampa takes out Undisputed Error because he had a pipe with him. Yeah. Yeah. This guy I, coming off the top rope with the axe handle takes out four guys and then he just takes them all out it's like i mean you know they all they got back up and he still was like you know fighting them off and pushing them out yeah but it was just really forced and i thought if anything they made them look a little weak weak you yeah. mean one guy one guy is taking out the undisputed error and that's the second week in a row that that happened one guy is taking out the undisputed error 
Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics? Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. And then they're coming off of the loss against Imperium where three guys be four guys. Yes. Yeah, so like, it's... I don't know. I don't know if this is their time to start, like, taking a little away. Like, I did say you don't want to overpush them because it doesn't want... You don't want it to be like they're shoving us... Shoving them down our throats. Yeah. So maybe they're kind of, like, pulling back the reins a little bit and saying, hey, like, we don't want to give too much, so we're going to make them look vulnerable. But when you do it in rapid succession like this where every week they look, like, so weak... It's going to start looking a little weird. Do you have to find that balance between overpushing and making them look vulnerable? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Now, going back to me playing armchair quarterback here, if it was up to me, <laughs> I'm going to flex my arm here. Um, you know, if it was up to me and I'm pitching this idea, I would have stuck with Undisputed Era looking for Champa in the back, and I liked him surprising them. I would have, I would have made it so that. Champa was overwhelmed because there is four of them. Yeah. Even with the weapon, it's still four guys. Mm-hmm. And maybe in a grander way, you have Velveteen Dream intercept and help take them out. I could see that being more reasonable or legit. Yeah. Um, by him catching them off guard, maybe you know now they're adding in these carts and now tanks. Maybe yeah, he hits yeah. them with a vehicle, something you know, something more theatrical or dramatic that it, I could believe. It just in, needs to be a damn chair or something. Just don't come in alone taking out four guys. If he came out with a chair or was on the top rope and he starts swinging a weapon, it's like wow, all right, yeah, he cleared house. But like I said, he just came in and then it didn't look like anybody was like really fighting him off. They were like getting pushed around. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he's a- he's throwing shots and they're just like, oh no, what do I do here? Oh, and then Kyle O'Reilly was like, oh, I, I want to hit you, but I I can't. Oh, I got hit. It's like it was a little awkward. It was there yeah. was definitely moments like if you fine tooth that like uh, it was a little awkward. Like you said, there was a lot of pushing. I mean yeah, this is wrestling. So and then yeah. and, and you have this, a ring. This guy's this guy's throwing rounds in your face and you're over here just trying to push him off. Stop hitting me. <laughs> Please stop it. And you have, you have a ring full of talented wrestlers. You yeah, know? and that's that's the part where it's like 
These aren't chumps. These are like guys who are champions, champions, former champions. They, yeah, champions everywhere they've been. Yeah, so, like all around the world. So it's like, come on, let's not make them look like they're weak here. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they they thought that one through. But still, nonetheless, I think this was a quality episode. I think Definitely. it was good. Um, you know, I think it, it still leads to the buildup of takeover and then even past takeover. So still, nonetheless, I thought this was a, a good episode. Yeah. Now, if I was to give some of my my final thoughts on this episode, um. I just wanted to point out that I love the Gargano and uh, Finn Balor uh, segment on Skype. I did too. The only problem is I don't think that they were actually live Skyping. Well, not Skyping, but well, live. On, not Skype, but the thing is it did kind of seem like when the other person wasn't talking, the other person was like waiting for his like go to say something. It kind of looked like they both recorded them and they were trying to play it in a way where – it kind of fit. It was like a puzzle because it didn't seem like they were actually having a conversation. It looked like, all right, now say your part. He said this. What What do you mean you're going to? Yeah. And that's the only part that took away from it. But what they were saying, though, was very believable. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And just going back to what the point that you were just making, it was weird for me because when I was writing it down in my notes, I didn't know how to really dissect it yeah, yeah. or clarify what yeah. this segment was because it wasn't a promo. It wasn't a vignette. I was like, uh, I I think they're going for the Skype mode where it's like, uh, you yeah. know, I mean, and here's the thing to their, to their credit, they never said it, mm-hmm. but you know what they were going, going for. You know, you have two guys yeah. on the screen, a split screen, you know. First of all, the way they led into it, Mauro Ranello says, I had the privilege of sitting down with Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano. So I thought there was going to be a pre-tape of them all in the same room. Like Mauro's oh. like the, uh, I guess like the proctor and you got these two guys on either end of the table and then you make sure there's security there so there's no fighting. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a lot better to me than having two like pre-tapes where you try to like make it all sound like it's a conversation. You know, I'm not going to lie. That one, it went over my head. I didn't even Yeah, because he that. said, and when we come back, I had the privilege of sitting down and he said privilege of. So I think I remember him saying of. Now I had the privilege to. So I was expecting a pre-tape from earlier in the day. I think that may have kind of like gave away too, like this was recorded beforehand because it happened already. So I don't know. It just kind of seemed weird the lead up into this segment. Yeah. But like I said, what they were saying, the promos, everything seemed very believable. And I'm liking this fire out of Johnny Gargano because Johnny Gargano always been one of those guys where he's a great wrestler, not too good of a talker. And he's a guy where you want to get a lot of sympathy for. A lot of people follow him because he has a heart where he has a never give up attitude, big heart. It's hard to really portray that just by getting your butt whipped all the time in the ring. You kind of have those, you have to have those like sympathy promos, those babyface promos, like no matter what I do, like I can't get the job done, but I won't stop. I won't quit. And Johnny Gargano was never that guy. It didn't come off natural for him. In this role, he sounds a lot more natural. He sounds like he's like thoroughly pissed at Finn Balor. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. I was going to say like, it's almost like night and day um, because everything you just said of what he wasn't, I, I felt like is what he was in this segment. Yeah. Uh, so I'm now even more excited for oh, yeah. for this match because you know I feel like they're gonna they're, they're first off they're two phenomenal wrestlers and now it looks like they're really gonna go tooth and nail for this yeah. one. And I'm gonna tell you this right now for someone who's been following NXT for a long time, it was said in this promo by Gargano for everything that Finn Balor was for NXT because he was the flagship uh, like the guy holding the flag yeah. for NXT. Yeah, he the was bearer. the guy who he was the John Cena let's say for <laughs> NXT, NXT when uh, Balor was there. He was their guy. Longest reigning champion. He had the demon persona. He was over everywhere. And then when he went up, there was like that kind of, like there was a period there where we don't know who's the next guy. Like they said, oh, well, we're looking for the next talent. Where It was just like, all right, where are they going to go after this? And it wasn't until we seen Gargano break out as a singles wrestler where we got that. And Gargano just like ran with it. Yeah. He was on more takeovers than anybody. 
He's a triple crown winner, and he really took that flag and was like holding it down to the point where when they tried to move him up to the main roster when NXT was still the developmental, he said no. So by him saying, I want to stay here, really proved that, hey, this is my home. So I like that they're actually portraying that because that's bringing reality into the storyline. And like we said in our free talk for NXT, something that we would like to see is more reality-based wrestling and stories. And that's what we're getting with this because everything that uh, Gargano said had fire because it was natural, organic, because it was real. You just used my favorite word, organic. I love it. <laughs> I think I need to pay you a copyright. <laughs> I, I, I got to yeah, start that. I think it's copyright infringement. <laughs> So, you know, I, I completely agree with everything you said. And like I said, this was a quality episode. Now, moving on to AEW. Let's do it. I I can't say enough about this episode, but I want to jump in with Moxley and Ortiz. That's the way we had the show start. Yeah, that was a great start to the show. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I like how they're, they really are building this this Mox versus the inner circle. And I feel like they're doing it really well. Yeah, this is... Well, the only person now that Mox... Well, he's facing Santana. We're going to get into that. But the only person that he hasn't faced yet from the inner circle is Jake Hager. And I don't know if they're, they're going to do this. Yeah. But yeah, he fought Sammy. Yeah. He fought Ortiz this week. And that was a great match. I love how Ortiz is like the crazy one. Yeah. And then they just match up perfectly because like Moxley... Everyone knows Moxley's not all there. He's crazy <laughs> himself. He's... Yeah, we all know. So they matched like really well together. And I like that this wasn't a squash match because I didn't want them to do, just like Tyler Breeze, I didn't want them to do Ortiz like that. He deserves more than just to be squashed by Moxley. And he got a lot of offense in. Not only did he get a lot of offense in, but being a singles wrestler for the first time, they said since like 2016, yeah, I was gonna point he that got out. to show a lot more character because he was in the ring a lot more than he usually is. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I, I completely agree. I uh, I appreciated them giving an equal side of offense yeah. um, because I would have hated it if, if they would have just squashed them. But I do. I I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast uh, many many weeks ago, of uh, how I, I appreciate an AEW that everybody has an opportunity, and even if you're in a a tag team, yeah, you still can get a a singles run or a singles push or even a singles match. And I felt like this was a good moment for Ortiz to shine. I definitely think I, so too. And I felt like he really deserved it. He's been really upping his character. He's been adding layers to it. You know, the Tiger style yeah. and the best, the best. And that started getting over. I want to talk about it. like the crowds are like they were chanting. They were chanting the best, the best, the best. He had like some like hold on Moxley, and yeah. they were chanting that. And I was like, wow, that's getting over. His his plank drop thing that oh, he yeah. does. But you know, going going back to the the best part is that you know I give him credit for that because. He kept on saying it and saying it, and at first it was just like, "All right, like it's annoying." It was annoying, Shut up. but you know what? I, I I give him I give him credit for it because he he stuck with it mm-hmm. and he knew, you know, it, I'll just keep doing it and it'll catch on. And I think we're starting to see that it was catching well, on. Look who's his teacher, Chris Jericho, the master of the catchphrase. And speaking of Chris yeah. Jericho, I love that he was on commentary again, again, yeah. again, and. I, I don't know, but it seems to me like maybe Jericho is is looking for a uh, a job after wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Uh, I, I think I think it's right up his alley. Oh, definitely. Like he's a great talker. We all know that. We don't have to like go into how good he is, but just the way he insults people on the mic is just like. It's nothing to him. It's just second nature. It's yeah. muscle memory. The way he was going at uh, Jr. and Shivani or Skiavone, <laughs> it was just like. Just came so natural. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, but I want to get to the end of this match. Yeah, and it was really crazy because Mox pulls out the old uh, paradigm shift. No, he pulls out the old 
car key to the eye trick. Oh, I thought you were talking about like, the finish of the match. Yeah. No, 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 oh, no. Oh, yeah, because we've seen that. The old <laughs> car key to the, the good old car, yeah. car key to the eye trick. So he ends up blinding Santana. Yeah. Right? And uh, obviously the inner circle comes out, uh, to, you know, to try to help him, but it's too late. And then fast forward later on the night after uh, Santana's receiving medical help and he's with the inner circle and Jericho's sort of cutting a promo on Mox and then Santana kind of grabs a mic. Yeah. And I love this promo. I love yeah. this promo by Santana. One, it just felt raw. It, it felt emotional. No, no, no. It felt it organic. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like he brought the fire and I don't mean like, oh, that's fire, bro. No, he brought the fire. He was like, it felt like he was genuinely pissed. Like that just was like, him. That yeah, was him. Just like we thought that Moxie really got stabbed, you would think that Santana really got stabbed. The way he reacted, I I, I would definitely think so. I don't know what's been going on in his personal life because he did mention yeah. on two occasions this has been the worst month of my life. Yeah. So I don't know if he lost a family member or something, but hey, my heart's out to him. Yeah. But you really saw that emotion, like you said, in this promo. Like whatever he's going through, he used it for something positive and channeled something that was amazing. And I can't wait for this match because for the great wrestler that Ortiz is and the character that he is, I think that Santana is like just a little bit better. Yeah, he's a notch above it. So I think. I think him and Moxley next week are going to tear the house down. You know, one thing I just want to point out I love that you said that he took something negative in his life. And, and we're just assuming based yeah. off what he said, whatever he's going through personally. But I love that he did make it something positive yeah. and, and used all that emotion into his promo. And the way he just looked into the camera, mm-hmm. and whatnot, it was like he just shot. Like, I, I don't even think he wrote it or knew what he yeah. was going to say. It just seemed, again, organic that he just grabbed the mic and he just, I'm just going to go off. Yeah, you know? no, no, like, stumbling over the words, nothing. It was like, just, he just went in and just went off. And, and for the most part, I mean, he's sort of the quieter of the two, yeah. you know, between him and Ortiz. It's uh, nice to see someone else give emotion in a promo besides Cody. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we, be get, we had, we'll be we getting to that. that on we'll this episode. We'll be getting to that. <laughs> hold on, guys. Hold, hold on, Warrior. Yeah. We'll be getting to that. Um but, uh, yeah, one thing I just I, I wanted to point out that sort of went a little overlooked, in my opinion, was that Darby vignette. Or, yeah, yeah the vignette where he's flamethrowing uh, <laughs> Jericho and Sammy G's uh, poster board, cardboard cutout yeah. thing. And just that, that little five seconds. And this is what I'm loving with AEW now because we saw it in the previous week with the Butcher and the Blade. Yeah. All it takes is like a five to ten second clip of a vignette. That gives me a story that gives me insight on what's mm-hmm. to come. And I'll tell you this right now. I am fucking excited for this because Darby obviously still has a gripe with yeah. Inner Circle. So we're not going to forget that. Oh, okay? no. No, no, no. I, I, I love that because sometimes, you know, we, we've seen in the past how, you know, a guy will get jumped and whatnot. And we won't hear about it for like two weeks later. Yeah. So we got an immediate response again. So, you know, they're... They're learning. Yeah. They're listening. <laughs> they're, they're learning on the fly. Like, all jokes aside, they are still new. So yeah. they are learning from their mistakes. And it's great to see that they're learning from the mistakes instead of just constantly making that same mistake. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. But uh, I wanted to just point out that I'm assuming now, moving forward, that this may tie into a feud between Darby and Sammy G. I hope so. Because, I mean, obviously Jericho's got his hands tied with Moxley, right? Yeah. Sammy G... If, if I'm not mistaken, I believe at one point during the beatdown of Darby uh, on last week, he took the skateboard. He took it yeah, from Jericho and he did it. And then also, I don't know if you're, we're on his Instagram. He's been putting up like jokes yeah. that Tony Hawk pro skater for. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So I kind of channeled that for the uh, Wednesday Wrestling Recap when I mentioned uh, I haven't seen moves like that since Tony Hawk's Underground. 
But yeah, it's really something that I want to see because, like you said, everyone has their hands full. Darby's not really in the tag team, so I don't see them feuding with uh, Santana and Ortiz. No. You're not going to put him against Hager. So it would be perfect. And I think stylistically, they're going to mesh up really well. Yeah, without a doubt. And something I just wanted to pu- uh, put out there is that I think these two, in a year or so from now, I mean, these these two can be main eventing whatever AEW's quote-unquote WrestleMania will be. Yeah. I don't know yet. I mean, I don't think we've really established or they have established it, it that yet. It might be all out. It might be yeah. all out, I, I'm thinking. But whatever their biggest show, I think these two at some point are yeah. easily going to gonna main event that because, I mean, these two are they, they have it. They budding have it. stars. They are budding stars. Yeah. Uh, really, I, I, I really love Sammy G. I, I think he is the complete package. And I think for what Darby does... I think he is phenomenal. Is that silent but theatrical type? I mean, yeah. it just works for him. His whole character, his whole brand, fucking phenomenal. So definitely, I I, I love the direction that they're going in. As do I. Uh, another direction that I love is this whole elite breakup. Well, slow breakup. But before we get into Hangman Page and his deception with the elite, let's talk about that eight man tag. Yeah, and now here, right off the bat, I'm not really fond of an eight-man tag. Neither am I. It's just it's a lot of guys for one ring, and then... And they have a smaller ring than WWE, too, so, like, that's a lot of guys for even smaller ring than what we're used to seeing. Yeah, yeah, so it could it just gets a little, a little messy. It's a big cluster, yeah. Exactly. It's, I mean, I've seen it multiple times, and, you know, you have amazing wrestlers involved, and just like we had in here... In this match, yeah, you had the best of the it best. It just doesn't turn out the way you would expect it. But this one did. Yeah. This one definitely did. Yeah, so we had the teams of the Elite. It was the Young Bucks, Hangman, and Kenny Omega versus the Butcher, the Blade, Pentagon, and Phoenix. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Come on, like, the need, I, need I say more? Like, it was just amazing. Everybody, I don't want to keep on saying everyone meshed because I said that, like, numerous times. Mesh, organic, yeah, we yeah. got it. <laughs> I don't know if I want to stick with mesh, though. Like, if I'm going to say something numerous times, I'm going to make sure it's cool. But, yeah, they, they all, like, really 
meshed. Like it didn't seem choreographed like that first episode of the year we seen with the the Bucks uh, and Omega versus Phoenix, Pentagon, and Peck. Yeah, when they were in Everybody seemed like they were in the right place at the right time. It didn't seem choreographed, and everybody got, like, shine on this match. There was not one person who wasn't spotlighted in one point of this match. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And uh, I think it's interesting because with all these teams, we have all different styles. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what Pentagon and Phoenix does is just on a whole nother fucking level. Yeah. Then you also have the butcher and the blade, which is a really like a brawling old school kind yeah. of especially tactic. especially the butcher. And the more I see the butcher, the more he's growing on me. This guy is really, really awesome. And he brings something totally different. The size, the power, the brawl, like everything that he's bringing to the table is different. And the blade is somebody I've been like strong, like holding before. Like when he was in Impact, I was a big fan of Braxton Stutter. Even yeah. in CZW, I was a big fan of Pepper Parks. So... <laughs> Yeah, even when Ali was Cherry Bomb, I was a fan. So, like, I'm someone who was behind him for a long time. It's nice to finally see him get that shine on a big stage like this. And they're actually, like, doing him justice. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I was glad that they were put into this match. I I felt like it might have been a little bit of a throw-in with them and uh, the Lucha Bros. But you know what? It just just At this point, who cared? Yeah, I don't don't even care now. Yeah, Yeah. it was was absolutely amazing. And I I thought we got to see... The Young Bucks, in my favorite word, in an organic match, like you said, where they're not setting up fucking five spots in the dual exactly. melted driver. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I, 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 don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. But to a certain point, it's like we can't be seeing this every week. It's. I think it's because, like, even before AEW, we've seen the Young Bucks for years, like, put out these amazing matches. So now that they're on TV, it's like, all right, we have to one-up what everyone knows us for. So we're always looking for, like, the next crazy thing to do. But some of the things are so crazy that it has to be choreographed because everyone has to be on the same page because if someone's not, someone could get seriously hurt in one of these crazy flips or crazy kicks. So I think that's the only reason why they're trying to one-up what we know them as. But because, like, come on, like, after, like, 20 years of this, like, it's going to be, oh, it's the same old Young Bucks. Exactly. It's going to fizzle out at some point. It's not the same old Young Bucks, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. So, I do see why it's becoming more choreographed for them, but in this match, it didn't seem like that, and that's something I really appreciate. And like you you started off uh, about this match, I love that they carried the story with Hangman Yeah, definitely. And they made it very clear. And and, and this whole, uh, I guess, this whole story, story, It's more of showing, and I love that. I mm-hmm. love that the story not just carries off from the promos and those interviews, but also in the ring. And I, I, I just, I love that they were able to put on such a great match and still continue their story. Yeah. The, the story is really intricate because they're trying to say that he's an alcoholic without saying, hey, you're an alcoholic. Yeah. Which even when they had like the backstage promo, it was like really cool when they said, oh, I think we know what the problem is. And like they took the cup from him. Like they didn't say, oh, I think you're drinking a little too much, Hangman. Like maybe that's <laughs> like if they would say that, I've been like, oh, come oh, on, guys. God. Like you could you could have gone about it differently. Like the 80s. <laughs> yeah. The way they went about it in the promo was amazing. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because one thing I, I, I was very happy about with this story that I was noticing is that even though they have Hangman breaking away, they're still able to do it in such a manner where it's creating a bigger star. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because sometimes you may get a guy break away and he's a heel and it's like, you know, he's a true heel. Yeah. And in this way, it's like Hangman is sort of like on that between, But the fans love him. He connects with the fans, you know? So I absolutely love... 
both yeah, directions. Yeah, I, I do too. And I'm thinking right now, like, I don't think we've ever seen this before where a guy has been on the fence about breaking up. We always see, like, that shocking, like, oh, my God, what a heel turn. Oh, my God, he turned on him. Or, oh, my God, he's joining them. we never seen, like, that on the fence, like, I really don't want to do this anymore type thing. Like, can you think of any examples where there was a guy who was, like, on the fence of being in the team that he's in? Where, like, week by week we see more and more about, but he's making it clear, like, I'm not down with you guys. I'm just helping out for now. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Like, I feel like maybe in, like, the 90s, maybe, maybe, because it sounds familiar. But honestly, I can't pinpoint exactly yeah, so what you just said. Kudos to them. We used to say before AEW that, hey, everything has been done already, right? Kudos to them for finding a story that hasn't really been done and yeah. then actually executing on it. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and you know what? I, I want to give them another praise because after the match, we get an interview that was supposed to happen with Omega, mm-hmm. which was suiting because of what transpired. Yeah. With obviously Hangman, you know, refusing to tag the Bucks, which ultimately cost them the match. And Omega's playing the uh, the mediator role. Yeah. And so Shivani uh, tries to get an interview with him. But then... It leads into Pac calling him out yeah, and kind of with the threat of Rio. And then it leads to Nyla basically sort of putting Rio through a table. Yeah, I mean. She's a little too light, I yeah. suppose, to put yeah. through that table. There was no weight there, so it didn't break. It cracked. But still, nonetheless, I thought this was a really great way of how they intertwined everything. Definitely. And, and it made sense to me because a lot of times I feel like they're doing too much and it's kind of thrown together. And like we've said in the past where they'll have these sub feuds and these sub stories going on mm-hmm. and it gets a little too much. And I think now they're kind of bringing it all back together and while still advancing new stories. And we get this new story with Nyla and Rio. Like, I, I think they, they, si- they've been like building on that. But this was more of like an exclamation. Yeah, point. like, yeah, I'm coming for that belt. Like, I'm not just going to attack you every week. I'm coming for that belt. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean I, I, yeah. I, I don't want to cut you off there because I know you have something to say. But um, I just wanted to point out that with this Nyla and Rio thing, it's kind of like in silence. It's, so, it's sort of like we we are seeing it. Yeah. Nyla is not really putting out long promos about it and talking about it week in and week out. We're just seeing her take action against Rio. Once and again, I, they're showing, not telling. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I, I, I really think that they did a phenomenal job with all these segments. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to give a shout out to Pac because we're always talking about great talkers in AEW and I always forget to mention Pac. Yeah. He's really a good talker. Yeah. Uh, if you want to talk about great talkers, let's talk about MJF. MJF. Wow. Maxwell, Jacob Freeman. You know what? This, I think, is the episode that put him over the top. He is a megastar. Not only is he a megastar, but he is by far, by far, the best damn heel in the business. Definitely. I will put my name on that statement. Yeah, like I, I even said to you, he's not one of the best heels. He is the heel of the business. And this really solidified it because this segment brought so much emotion to the story. Like I already said, it was going to be very emotional. I said that on past podcasts. Yeah, we figured but, that. Gosh, like not until we were watching those whips, those like strappings, did we really like know how bad it was going to get and to see like Cody's eyes start swelling up and tearing up and then his family come out and the Bucks come out and everybody trying to rally him on and this guy's just like screw you you got to take three more come on yeah like, no remorse he, he was he was laying up on the top turnbuckle just waiting for them to be done you know talking so yeah. he could get his next whip in 
It was phenomenal. And I, I love the buildup uh, with everybody coming out one mm-hmm. by one. Yeah, after... if everyone came out right away, it would have been like, yeah. you guys just all like teamed up. Come on, guys. Like, no, it was like, yo, let's go. Like, One thing I will say with AEW is they're really good with the theatrics. Definitely. As we've seen with these vignettes, with these promos, and with Cody, um, and especially in this segment, the theatrics were there. The sympathy was there. Um, I, honestly, I don't think they could have done this segment any better. Yeah, when I saw this, I said this was the perfect segment. What I also loved was the the final person to come out was Brandy. Yeah. And I think it showed like how serious this was because she kind of broke character. Now, if you if you see AEW Dark, it's a little bit odd. We don't really know what's going on with Brandy because we get a segment of her going through therapy and trying to figure out like, yeah, like what's, what's going, going on. on. Yeah. And it does seem like they might be breaking up the a Nightmare Collective. We obviously got Mel and um, Luther attacking uh, Kong. Kong. Yeah. So there's definitely something going on there. Obviously... Uh, the Nightmare Collective segments are not the strongest segment uh, segments on AEW, and I think they're taking notice to that. So I don't know moving forward if Brandy is going to continue with that, but I just think it, it just took a moment of showing like how real this is. Yeah, like all right, screw what the character is, screw what you see on TV. This is my this is my husband, husband who's right getting like whipped like yeah. an animal, and he's you see like he could barely stand. He can't deal with all the pain. His eyes are like tearing up, and like he's like about to call it quits on nine. Like, she had to come out there. It was really You, you know real. what? My my first opinions was I thought that they were going to do it, like, ten in a row, right? Yeah. And I thought, like, it was going to become a thing, like a mockery where they count it down or whatever and, you know, just go. But the the fact that they, they drew it out, it makes it worse. And in reality, it really does. It's like ripping a Band-Aid off. You'd rather rip it off fast, right? Yeah. All of it, all at one time. And this was, like, a slow pull, a very slow yeah. pull. And I I felt for him. They They put so much into each strap. Well, each, like, whip yeah. that it was like each of the ten had their own story of its own. Like, one had Warlow do it for yeah. him. One, uh, Dustin tried to take it for him, and he said, that's not the rules. One had um, Arn Anderson trying to, like, coach him up, like, come on, just take it. You know what's the uh, prize at the end here. Don't. He said, don't yeah. don't give him the satisfaction. Yeah, and then what's called, you had MJF, like, you can't help him now, old man. <laughs> yeah, Yo. yeah, and, and I love the way they, that MJF ended it with yeah. him coming back in to low blow him, yeah. and then him and Wardlow because, run out because it showed like he was showing like he had some remorse or some sympathy himself for what he just did, and he seemed like he felt like guilty. He was just like afterwards, he's just on the ropes, like, damn, like I just did that, right? Like, oh my god, what did I just do? Especially the last one was to yeah. the front; it was to the chest and like neck area. Yeah, and then when. Cody, like, turns around, and he just little blows him and then runs into the crowd. I loved it. You know what I love even more than that? Say it. The heat that he got from that segment where it seemed like an actual fan actually attacked MJF while he was standing up there in the stands because they, like, cut the camera. They go back and you see security guards, like, ripping him off. That was real. I do believe that was a real fan. Until someone could prove different, I would love to know, but... I do believe that was real, and that just spoke volumes of this segment, and it spoke volumes of MJF's character to the people. 2020, and people are getting this invested in a heel, where they're getting that much heat, where I want to attack you. That is a testament to MJF. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And AEW as well, because they keep on putting him in these positions to show how much of a douchebag he is. (laughs) Yeah, I, kudos to them. The way they built up both characters of Cody. I mean, he does a phenomenal job. Like yeah. I said, 
this guy has got to be a masochist because he just loves to take pain, man. He's still got that scar over his eye. Yeah. Now he's taking lashes to the back. Yeah. What's next, Cody? You're going to give up your arm, a, a leg? <laughs> this is basically Tommy Dreamer, ECW error. Like, come on. Like, how much more are you going to do for these fans? Like, until he he's not going to be satisfied until he gets shot in the ring. <laughs> like... But you know what, though? I, I really give him credit because it really shows that there's nothing he wouldn't do or give for this company. And that's and all it, that matters. If you want a leader, like, that's the qualities you want. You yeah. want the guy that's going to go out there and and really put it all out there. So when he asks you, almost like with Vince back in the day, you know, if, if Vince asked you to do something that was outlandish, it wouldn't be something that he wouldn't do himself. Do himself, yeah. So exactly. I, I really respect that's a That's a true leader right there. So I think overall, this was just a phenomenal show. Yeah. Gosh, man. Like like I said, I think that was the perfect show. It was a 10 out of 10 in my opinion. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I couldn't agree more. But uh, my final thoughts on that, I wanted to mention that I wasn't too impressed with the Britt Baker-Yuka match. It does seem, I don't know what it is, but with Britt Baker, when she goes against these gaijins, like especially... Uh, um, when there might be a, uh, I like how you use the Japanese term for a foreigner. That, that you're, you're cultural. I am. I am, and that came out organically. Yeah. <laughs> but remember what I said about shoving things down your throat. <laughs> That's what's happening here. But you know what though? I did love the ending though. Yeah. And I loved how they build this heel character, and it's it brings back to something that you mentioned. And I actually remember it was on week thirteen of the of the podcast. It was right oh, around the you? new year. Yep. 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 Yeah. I, I, I'm 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 going there. And you mentioned how they need, that Britt Baker needs to tie in her dentistry into her character. And I thought this was a perfect moment. Knocking out someone's tooth? What better yeah. way? What better way? Yeah. I Yo, mean, it was vicious. That, that was vicious. Like, the whole curb stop on the, um, the bottom, bottom rope. rope. Now, guys, if you don't know, these like, bottom ropes, it, it's, it's hard it's a, metal wire. Yeah, take it from someone who's been in a wrestling ring. Just running the ropes, your back's getting turn, like, torn up. Yeah, I mean, Imagine putting your mouth on it and then getting stomped. To be honest, I don't know how they did this, if it was fake or not. Or, But I'll tell you this right now. It wouldn't surprise me if it was real because it was very realistic. The blood dripping from her mouth didn't seem like something she put in her mouth. Yeah, to, it was like it, a capsule. No, it yeah. wasn't. Because then it would have been too much and you'd be like, oh, there's a little mm. too much blood there. And then that was like a real tooth. I don't know. AEW... It, They're bringing back the attitude there where it was just like wild, yes. wild west over here. Yes, that's how I felt with this whole episode, honestly. Yeah. I really felt like this was a cross between WWE and WCW attitude era. I feel like I think it was also a lot of ECW here, especially with the lashings. That took me right back to the same man giving 10 cane shots to Tommy Dreamer and Tommy Dreamer not giving up. Yeah. This had like, just a, a, such a great feel. Yeah. Such a great feel. So, I mean, even though the match wasn't the best. I think taking away from everything that happened, it was still quality. Yeah, the match was insignificant compared to the segment afterwards. And that's something that, you know, I look at these things like the segment is what you're looking for, not the match itself. So if the match was like, okay, but the post-match was like insane and I'm talking about the post-match, I don't really care about the match because, hey, I walked away with, wow, that was insane the way that ended and not... Oh, that was just a whack match. I think if the match happened and then we just went to the next match, it would have been like, oh, that's the low point of the show. Yeah. But this wasn't the low point of the show because of the way they did the post-match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything that happened um, after definitely overshadowed the shortcomings of that match. And you know what? I, I don't want to trash that match because it wasn't horrible. No, it wasn't. It wasn't horrible. It, it was okay. It yeah. was okay. It could have been better. I like Yuka Sakazaki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do too. And I think there's definitely a place for her there. But um, I just felt like it, it could have been done a little bit better. Uh. 
I just think that um, the overall just feel afterwards was phenomenal. Yeah. And it carries Britt Baker, you know, into the right direction of being this heel for that women's division. So I absolutely loved it. Yeah, this whole show was phenomenal, like we said. I loved this show. This was an AEW coming out party, in my opinion. And if anybody's watching AEW for the first time and they see this show, they want to tune in next week, in my opinion. That was a great show. So... Is it safe to say AEW is your show of the week? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. AEW, in my opinion, blew NXT out of the water. Like, last week it was close. This week there was, like, yeah, no was, competition here. Yeah, you know, I feel like... If, Even with the star power of Charlotte, not to cut you off, with Charlotte, with the whole follow-up of the Champa, like, crazy uh, contract signing, AEW blew it out the water. You know, I'm so glad you said that because, personally, I was really invested in this this Charlotte uh, coming over to NXT and I was more excited for NXT than AEW. So it took you by surprise. It yeah. really took me by surprise. They just did a phenomenal job and I thought this is by far the best episode they had this whole year, maybe even since the beginning. Yeah, I was going to say this might be the best episode that they've had. You had what in my opinion was the match of the year so far for AEW in the eight-man tag, the segment of the year with the whole lashings of Cody, character development and stars being built in Darby and Britt in what's I, called Joey Janela and Kip Sabian had a great match. Yes, like, yes, not to overshadow, on, yeah. Then we got the whole, like, the Dark Order keeps on building up to something special. It's just... AW is really connecting on all cylinders, and I am so excited to be a fan right now. Yeah, I I, I can't agree more. And I, I think exactly what you just said, that they're hitting on all cylinders. And I like that we see on this episode, we had almost every story advance. Yeah. There was a little promo, a little segment, a little vignette. And all it takes is about, like I said, 10, 20, 30 seconds at most. And you already got the story. You know what I mean? You got the story for next week. Definitely. So they did a phenomenal job, and this was great. And I am super excited to see what comes next week. Yeah, I am so excited for next week. Both shows see the follow-up of this whole Charlotte thing and the whole Tommaso Ciampa versus Undisputed Ever. I'm extremely excited to see AEW's follow-up. So, yep. Get better. Heal up, Cody. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. You're going to need it. We'll see you next week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.